Hey y'all, it's Baldo here, and I want to help you unlock your next level potential with a discounted ticket to this year's Howdy Health Fest happening in December. Use code HDYHPOD25 and enjoy a weekend filled with world-class biohacking products, top health experts, movement, connection, and recovery, and maybe even some ice baths and some nice sauna time. Remember, this year's festival is December 2nd through 4th. It's going to be an exciting time. We are committed, committed to you to bring you the best experience that your health can achieve. All right, guys, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. Let's get a little excited because it's our 200th episode. So, hell yeah. Yeah. Clap in the background and see if we can do some sound effects with that right. thing. 200. <laughs> 200th episode. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting because this company, this website, turned mm-hmm. into a company that has a festival even. I love the fact that we took a podcast and turned it into a festival. Right. Why as, not? as we were looking at who do we have for our 200th guest, I, we just had to pick you because, Aww. because first of all, we've podcasted with you twice now, right? Yes. Now three. Yes. And, and d- by the way, it's Dr. Amberly Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Hello, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and, and your episode has been number one for a long time. And we talked about the, I think we just talked about metaphysics mm-hmm. in general. Today, we're going to get more specific and we're going to turn it into five different topics. So I'm really excited about that. Yes. But the cool thing about it is that we have Nurse Doze as well. But the cool thing about it is that we're going to get into the metaphysics of sound first. But before we do that, we'll give them a little brief introduction about, okay. about you first. Great. Yeah. yeah. So I am a doctor of metaphysics. I'm an alternative medical practitioner as well. So what that looks like for me, I work with frequency, which is waves of energy that travel beyond time and space and also within time and space. So it's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. You can't see it or taste it, touch it, smell it. It's beyond the five main senses of perception. So that's why they call it metaphysics, beyond the physical realm. But it creates physical impact on the body. So something like love, for instance, it's beyond the five main senses of perception, but it can cause physiological effects in the body. Your heart starts pounding, your palms start sweating when you see someone you love, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I tune into and work with at a frequency level for someone going through relationship issues or health problems. Because everything, first and foremost, from my standpoint, is an energetic root of anything biochemical, anything physical. So if you can tune into that and almost switch a radio wave to where it's 97.1 and you turn it to 102.5, it's a completely different song with a different expression. So that's what I'm doing. Essentially, it looks when I'm in practice with somebody and a client is with me, it can look like we're just talking, having coffee, that kind of thing. But I'm, in essence, reading their energy field. And so it's like a Wi-Fi. I'm tuning in and getting all of the information from them. And they're saying, oh, I thought of that this morning or all this kind of stuff. So it looks like I'm a psychic medium. So I can tune into subtle beings of energy as well. But it's just consciousness. And you have to be trained on how to do it. Everyone can do it. It's like everyone can speak Spanish. You just have to be trained in how to do it or grow up around it or Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So... That's the general overview of what I do. And practice, because it's like listening to your gut feeling at a much (laughs) Much more expansive level. level. (laughs) I was smiling because when you were talking about that, I was picturing when I look at auras. Yeah. And if you want to go there, it will go there. I don't care. It's metaphysics. It's metaphysics, (laughs) right? That's what it is. You're you're saying you're looking at someone's energy, and if it's gleaming or glowing Mm -hmm. off of them, you can tell there's even a color to it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. There's different colors, and that... Just because you can't perceive it, if your antenna is not picking up on the signal, it doesn't mean that the signal doesn't exist. So many people are like, oh, I don't believe in ghosts or I don't believe in psychic mediums. It's okay. Do you believe in microwaves? Like, (laughs) do you believe in a cell phone, like a a fax machine? How do you know how that works? You don't. You just trust it because it's a technology that's been accepted. But if it was the 1800s and you had an iPhone, they would think it's magic. I, it goes back to that. Uh, oh, we that, talked about that too. Well, yeah. But it goes back to the phase, the phrase, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, did it make a sound? Of course it did. Of course it did. Okay, so it did. like when you have someone that comes to you 
and they're not on the same wavelength as you. Mm. Not like they don't have a wavelength. It's just mm-hmm. a very different frequency than you're running on. So like the you mentioned the different frequencies you pick up on people. It's almost if you're looking at radio stations mm. and you're like, what song are they listening to in their head? And yep. if it's like hard death metal or something yeah. <laughs> like that and you're like on classical music, it's very different conversations. Yes. And, yes. and what's funny is you mentioned like reading people. It's mm-hmm. posture too, right? It's Yeah. It's everything. It's everything. So even though someone might be listening to or expressing a very different frequency in your field and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I like that, they're still in resonance with you. Somehow, some way, there's a resonance there. Even if it's a quote-unquote negative person in your life, there's a resonance there. If someone is not physically in your space, you're not in resonance with them. So you have to be a match somehow, regardless. There's discordant energy too. So there are frequencies that break down physical matter, break down emotions, are, they're disruptive, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad or you're not in resonance with it. It just means that it's a tool through contrast and it's very useful. Think about if you have a tumor, you want something that breaks down. Yeah. So it goes for people too. And people always talk about how do I avoid negative people and it's a match somehow because there's something you need to learn about boundaries maybe or being grounded in your body not feeling into your empathic nature and taking on their stuff because maybe you feel responsible for people there are a lot of different lessons there so resonance and frequency and energy is is really at the root of our entire world that we're in it is it's also an essential to the human existence i believe Mm -hmm. as if someone is out of uh, alignment their frequency is off i believe they have to recalibrate oh yeah and one of the best ways to do it i believe is to ground yes which is essentially pigeon double pigeon Mm -hmm. sitting down on the ground and what you find is the frequency in your environment is a mirror of what's going on with you right now. So if you have chaos in your life, yes, the frequency in you is a very chaotic one. And you can sense it. I know you can. All your patients and clients, like they mm-hmm. come to you and you can pick it up within 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Here we go. Oh, I can feel it when someone books a session with me. Yeah. I can feel it through if I just come across the email, like whoever, I'm like, ooh. And I have to stop tuning into it because it'll bombard my energy field i like the way that if you mix in the force field yeah. like i like that idea uh, yeah yeah it's cool but what's funny because people tell me that i'm pretty chill i usually also only listen to chill music because like some of the faster stuff is out oh, of yeah. resonance for me right. it's just, well, sure i can go out and party but it's still more like a house like whatever like maybe like a slow house music something like that mm-hmm. i can usually tune into that and just be like in heaven all day long yeah probably because i'm also chill most of the time (laughs) yeah (laughs) but we had a discussion you said everything is sound yes i want to get into that okay because the and then along with that we had a discussion on that that i was talking to you about sound bowls Mm -hmm. do you remember this that i was like i just don't really like sound bowls like yoga because i get too much into my head about do they even know if they're playing the right note to get me into a certain mm. place or are they just going like this because right. it sounds cool? <laughs> yeah. And that's disturbing to me because I don't I feel like they don't know. Mm-hmm. Is there a science that they can is there yes. science that they can study to make sure if I do it at this speed with mm-hmm. this pressure, it will do a frequency that will people help people chill. Yes. Or not. So there are studies showing that there are certain frequencies calibrated to different organ systems in your body. So your body's essentially a piano. So depending on the hertz, the wavelengths that are calibrated at different frequencies. So like 312 hertz is going to be a very different frequency from 210 hertz. And they go based off of musical notes as well. So like the C notes and all of the different numbers under a C. So if someone hits a C note on a piano, all the other C's will vibrate. When you're working with sound, say it's a sound bowl, and it's a, it's attuned to 317.5 hertz, and they're doing that, whatever. Say that that is the frequency of a healthy liver, and they're doing that. Your liver is going to vibrate light with up. that. It's going to light up. And say if your liver's off or sluggish, it's maybe 312 hertz or something. It needs a little tune-up. So the way that resonance works, it's pendulum clocks. If there's the strongest frequency in the room, all the other clocks will start moving at the same rate as the strongest frequency in the room. So if the strongest thing is a sound bowl in the room, 
your liver is going to rise up to match the resonance of 317.5 hertz. Now, the caveat to that is your intention. So your intention can override anything. Your intention is the most powerful frequency on the planet. So if you want to heal the kidney, for instance, you could use 317.5 hertz that's usually used to up-level a liver. But if you intend for that frequency to heal the kidney, it will travel to the kidney because your intention is going to override the base foundational frequency of 317.5 hertz. So if you're having a sound bowl class, the practitioner can intend an overall feeling of love. It doesn't matter what the frequency is. It could be a D note, a C note, an A note. If the practitioner is in resonance enough and attuned enough and is holding an expansive heart field and is grounded, because being grounded, like you said, is one of the most anchoring forces because you're in resonance with the entire planet Earth around you. And that catapults you forward when you're trying to manifest something. If you're meditating all the time and you're pulling your energy up, up, up to your upper chakras, it's very difficult to start manifesting in physical, in the physical world because you're not grounded in your body. You have to be a physical human being to create physical impact in the world. It's not that you can't manifest. It's just, it's going to be all over the place because thoughts are fleeting and intentions are fleeting unless you're in your body feeling it on a visceral level and anchoring that into the planet earth. It's like a boom. It goes and it creates an exponential effect. Yeah. And what the moment you walk out of your meditation space, mm-hmm. you're getting bombarded with all sorts of things. And so you start to get mm-hmm. uncalibrated, right? Like right. That, I've said that so many times. Like sometimes like my meditation is my calibrations. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't usually go up here sometimes. Sometimes I do. But sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to stay here. Yes. And that's what I'd want to calibrate to. So that's interesting mm-hmm. to put it that way. Yeah. I- you keep bringing up the hierarchy of where your chakras are. You are pointing to that for people who are not able to watch. And it's going up your chakras. We mentioned grounding, which is sacral. Mm-hmm. And then you go up the chakras. You point it to the solar plexus and there's mm-hmm. throat chakras. And you were pointing to the third eye. And then the crown is obviously up there. It's funny because when I've been looking at breathing, my musical instrument is a standard tuning for a guitar. Okay. So I hit the notes based off of... What I always remember is Easter bunnies get drunk at Easter, which is the standard <laughs> tuning for the guitar. Uh-huh. And so what I do is I go up and I say, uh, and I, I'll hit the notes and I'll massage the chakras going from the ground up. Okay. What's mm-hmm. interesting is that in uh, applied kinesiology, there is a way to shut down your chakras, mm. but they don't call them chakras. They call them your meridians. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they say, if you want to activate the meridians, it's always bottom up. Because mm. if you go top down, you shut it off. And what's interesting, because you both said, I don't want to hang up here. I want to come back down here. And I said, this is interesting. Could it be that it has to be an even distributed sound or energy being distributed amongst the chakras and the meridians along the spinal cord? Or are we keeping more of our energy? Is it a better idea to have more of our energy in the grounded mm. position? Now you're harnessing that energy as opposed to if it's crown and third eye. To have a higher level of consciousness, it's exhausting. Yeah. I have to say it this. It is. It's draining. It is draining. Mm-hmm. Because if your third eye is open, you're receiving all the information yep. you could possibly get because you're aware now more mm-hmm. than ever. And at that point, you're, it's what I think you're saying, Balda, is you're like, I don't like to hang out there all the time. It's almost like you're telling me, like, I'm not trying to think on a higher level right now. Because I'm not trying to think. I'm trying to get back into my heart. That's, and, but that's something that's recent. Because before it was always like, I want to stay up here. And then I was like, but I, but then it's, you don't stop. Trying don't, to control. Yeah, that. And mm-hmm. then you don't stop like getting more ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when are you going to? When are you going to bring it into fruition? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the past mm-hmm. couple of years, you included, we've been like getting so much better at manifestation, right? Mm. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> so we'll talk about that real quick. So. For people who are following at home, what do you think about the idea that you can you can harness your energy and it's not so much as a totem pole thermometer approach mm-hmm. as an expansion? Mm. Is that one way to look at our energy too? Yes. Ultimately, you're connected to everyone and everything. Yeah. So it, you're never just this linear walking thing that is totally separated from everyone. But we're under the illusion that we are, which is what makes Earth so fascinating. Because if we are, in essence, 
connected to everyone and everything and we're all working as a collective unit including the planet in creating the reality that we're creating but we're thinking we have nothing to do with what's going on it's just interesting on a soul level and if you don't know you're creating your reality it's interesting to play a victim role and yep. you know, not take responsibility for your health or your role in relationships. You're always going to point the finger outside of you because you're looking for answers outside of you and you're disconnected. And so there's that portion of humanity. And that part's fascinating because when you realize you're creating your reality, it's not that you don't have compassion for people. You can hold a tremendous amount of compassion for others. But when you realize, okay, I'm in the driver's seat, it allows you to be more vulnerable and connect with others and really stay grounded and rooted in who you are. Because if you know that who you are is a divine being of expansion and light, that's infinite. It's, there's no beginning and no end. And on top of that, you're connected to everyone and everything. And if you know that light travels all beyond time and space and information is light, you can access information and knowledge that Einstein had, that any anyone had beforehand if you're grounded and rooted and let's say you want to meditate and expand your energy field out, you can access all kinds of different dimensions and information that you want. But to trust the information you're getting, you have to be grounded and rooted in your body. If you're, and we say up here hanging out, if pointing to our head, but if you're up here in your head, there's a lot of control that gets activated because if you're siphoning off your physical cues in your body, you can get really clouded in, okay, what direction do I go in? If you're receiving so much information or intuition and you're like, how can I trust my intuition if I don't really know what direction? I'm just getting these things, but I don't really know, do I take the right side or the left side? Because you're seeing the whole expansiveness because you're an expansive being. So you can see validity to the whole spectrum. So then where do you go? So a <laughs> lot of people are like, oh, they get paralyzed because they're indecisive all of a sudden because they're not feeling their physical cues of what's really in resonance or what they really want to go after. So I've found that a lot, that being an expansive being of energy and not being that grounded portion is it can mess with you a little bit. So going back to that, I have this question, <laughs> but this brings up a good point. You have to expand with boundaries. Yes. Okay. Mm. So then I go back to my original question. Then is the starting point, the very center of you, which most people would think the center of gravity is the middle torso area in the heart. It's not, it's the yeah. keystone to the spine, which is the sacrum. Yes. That's the key. That's the key. The connection for your third eye and your crown when you go to that higher level consciousness is you're communicating with your higher power. Okay. So you're right. aware to it, which means you're having a higher level conversation. Whether you're sitting there in nirvana, whether you're sitting there talking to God, you're talking about different things. Imagine if you were in a lower frequency conversation, you are talking about different things, whatever surrounding that. In a grounded setting, how much conversation is actually going and what is that directed towards? I think mm. what I was, because you mentioned Einstein, it's almost like the idea that it wasn't, it's not, oh, he, Einstein had all this information. Like this is all of Einstein's right information. Mm -hmm. It's more of like Einstein was just a person that would, that accessed it. Right. But it's information that's available for all of us. He just happened to get there first for whatever reason. Right. But I will say this to what we keep bringing up Einstein. David Hawkins. Yes. Okay. Love mm -hmm. David Hawkins. Power versus force changed yeah. my world. He puts higher level of frequency as a hierarchy. Remember yes. this level again. Okay. And he calibrates it to different frequencies. He calibrates it. Right. Zero to a thousand with mm -hmm. a thousand being the highest level reserved for nirvana enlightenment. Right. He talks in, in that about Einstein and Edison. He said if I had to put a number to their average level of consciousness. He was doing muscle testing for that. He was mm -hmm. doing muscle testing. Right. He put their numbers at 500 to 700, right mm -hmm. in the middle of what could be the hierarchy to the top of enlightenment. Mm -hmm. He said Gandhi was around 700. Mm -hmm. Jesus was around 900 to 1,000. Okay. My, he doesn't bring this up, but my question was, why did Edison and Einstein, for that matter, not achieve a higher average level of consciousness? 
was it because, and I used to think, they never went up to that point as much as they could because maybe certain ideologies was holding them back, maybe mm-hmm. science ideology. But they were also constantly trying to make, trying to make everything physical. Right. That was the whole point. They're trying like, to apply it. They're trying to like create. But, that was, but yeah. to lead us to the conversation we're having now, the mm-hmm. metaphysical. Quantum physics at one point was the most proven science out there outside of biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Biochemistry is constant. But now when you talk about metaphysics, it is basically the beginning phases of what will be the future discussions. Mm-hmm. Means that we don't know as much as we think we know. Quantum physics, the entire time you look at Stephen Hawking, it's literally just trying to like uphold what Einstein was talking about. And Einstein the whole time was like, I don't think any of what I said was right at the end of his career. He literally, right. Einstein said, I think all my stuff was incorrect. That's incredible if you think about how much we base off of that knowledge from the mm-hmm. last 100 years. Yeah. Because it breaks down at quantum levels. <laughs> I just finished a book on quantum computing, which was took me like a month and a half to finish. But <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, I like to think to, that anything could be anything, any anytime. Right. Yeah. Because it's... The whole entire tree <laughs> is in one cell of one leaf of the tree. Yeah. So it's like when you're working from that level, it's like, it's mind blowing. Well, it's just fascinating how in the physics, it's things aren't what they are until mm-hmm. you look for it. Yeah. And so if you're not looking for it, it won't be that. But if you are looking mm-hmm. for it, it can be that. Right. And where does it appear from? They don't, that's a part that quant- no, no science can figure out other than they know that if you're looking for it, you're going to find it. And that's getting into <laughs> the, the double slit experiment yeah. where it's, you're looking at photons of light and where the behavior of the photons, if it behaves like a wave of light versus particles. particles. So yeah, but the thing that I, they, I explained you know. that to actually, I'm going to see if I can get this right. Yeah. They were doing a light beam and I guess using mirrors, splitting it, and it was doing so splitting into two rays and I'm going up and down for the, we should we're going to put this on the video. And, and so light and then there was a refractor or a thing that was splitting mm-hmm. into here and then it was coming back here and it was particles. At the end, there was this thing that saw particles and then they put a second thing to partition it again, shoot off two other ones. So what they found is that they were taking two measurements again and they found sometimes it's basically there's an X, Y, like sometimes it's two X's. Mm-hmm. And over here, it's two Ys, and that's more of like a wave. What's interesting is that th- they would do the experiment, and then they would say, let's take off that second refractor, and all of a sudden, it was back to a particle since over here, mm-hmm. since the beginning of it. So there's no way that this light beam could know right. that there is going to be a second yeah. par- a second partition, mm-hmm. but it would automatically behave immediately Right. as a wave or a particle once it was being looked at again. So then it's, is everything predetermined and are we just acting like we're tuning in? So that whole chapter was about, yes. yeah. can right. I influence yes. the past? Yeah. That was the, like, well, you can. Yeah. Because right. you already did. Correct. Well, think of like memories. Or is there a past travel. and a future? <laughs> that's when you're really getting into because truly there is no space and time. So Correct. that's the thing. So if you're in <laughs> physical reality, let's call it, which is really just a dream. But if you can travel in your mind. That's proof that there's time travel. If yes. you can do it in your mind. You time traveled. You time traveled. Yeah, congratulations. We're all time travelers. Yes. So, well, no, go for it. I say, but the only difference is this. You have to realize that there's a wave. Okay? You just have to understand because if you're floating in space, you're not really moving. Okay? But mm-hmm. how do you, but the question is like how are things moving around? Yeah. It is not just they're free-floating everywhere. They're circulating around what? An orbit, a vortex? They just found it. They just took the picture of the first black hole the other day. Oh, yeah. It was Mm, fantastic. mm -hmm. It's just incredible because... Because I always looked at lies like, it's a wave. Why can't I just surf it and go somewhere? It doesn't go that way. It's not, <laughs> nothing's linear. Nothing is linear, right? Because if I have to jump from me to over you, I have to go around wavelengths coming from you. Your energy, your force field is pushing me across, right? And which means I just can't go straight through it, it towards you. But that's mm-hmm. why whenever we were starting the business, it was always like, I don't know. And just like, trust me, it's already, it's already there. <laughs> so deja vu has been the most mysterious thing to me my whole life mm. because I've experienced it as I've gotten older. Yeah. And it's verbatim the exact same scenario yep. I've already had. Yeah. Your timeline jumping is what deja vu is. Is this the medical or the meta universe? Or I read the somewhere the linear universe or whatever this is now that we're talking about. Dr. Strange came out the other day. Yeah. Uh-huh. The linear parallel universes that are just happening across the board. But it's what 
your consciousness is focused on the most, how much energy can you generate on a specific timeline? That's well, your experience. Which yeah. one do you want to choose to make manifest? That the difference is if I can choose what position I want to be in situation, it makes a different world. Because here's the thing. We were just got done watching this video about this guy icicle climbing. <laughs> Ice climbing. Yeah. Ice climbing, literally. Okay, he climbs uh -huh. the most crazy thing where even bald is like, that's nuts. I don't even know. I don't even know how to start preparing for that. The thing mm -hmm. is, this guy does it with this other friend of his, and uh -huh. the friend even says, that dude's nuts. This guy died like a year or two later after this came out from like just walking and an avalanche came out of nowhere. Oh and while he was just hiking, like yeah. it took him out. Nothing like the crazy stuff he was doing before. So Ball and I both looked at each other. I'm like, that's perfect. That's probably the way you want to go out. He's like, all right, I'm ready for the next thing. <laughs> this was boring. I got, did everything. I'm mm -hmm. ready. Yeah. What else do you have for me? And something was like, you're ready. Gone. It could be anything. It could be a crack in the sidewalk. You fall, break a hip, die. And yeah. then you slip, <laughs> but you slip through into what? Another portal, another dimension, another time frame? Because yes. The thing is like, they could all be true. But you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're not, because there's no such thing. We're operating from a physical world. So there's no such thing as time and space or hierarchy or anything like that. We look at it that way, but really everything's happening concurrently. So all the timelines are happening all at once. It's just how much energy are you paying attention to in one and, given moment and you can jump from all the manifestations are happening that's have, a quantum physics way of everything everywhere it. all at once no you but that sounds that. like everything is nothing and nothing is everything correct <laughs> but that's that's hilarious. well because again and i think mm -hmm. that movie also gets into can you influence the past from the current state or whatever it's interesting though because it's interesting because i wrote the second thing on it which just came up to it which is the metaphysics of trauma. Mm -hmm. If you can influence the back, the past, right? With now, can you influence your trauma? Oh yeah, definitely. Of course you can. Oh, yeah, I yeah, can. But can you just not have your trauma. Yeah. Yes, of course, because you just mm -hmm. don't give it purpose. That's a simple one, but most people don't have the reality to even understand. It's like, what do you mean? It, mm -hmm. it is my fault. It is your fault. Just get over it. Okay, now what? That was it. That's, right. That was a change you needed. Mm -hmm. Do you accept the fact it's your fault? Yes, I do. Do you mm -hmm. fact that you can let yourself go and say you're not the same person you were? Right. Yes. There it goes. That's the change. Right. But then there's the visceral aspect of it because logistically someone can say, I know this to be true. I am a sovereign being that I'm the creator, but I feel traumatized still. My body feels traumatized. Well, no, immediate reactions or natural yes, reactions to mm -hmm. things are. Where's that being held? Right. Where's but that, that, that the energy. blockage? The energy. Yes. Right. Where's that being held? In the cells of the body. But where? Because you're the so, atoms. Like, okay. Think about this. So yeah. you're like, okay, they're holding on to trauma. The mm. brain? Right. Because if mm -hmm. I really want to say this, I could go scientific and say... It's neurons. Oh. It's it's neuron, neuronal pathways Okay, well, that think make about you this. react a certain way. Okay, so memory is a very interesting thing. Anything can have memory. Any form of energy can yeah. have memory. So when I change mm -hmm. shape, I can change energy forms, mm -hmm. right? Ice and heat and steam and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Think about this. The reason I love biochemistry is because it's chemical compounds mm -hmm. that need an electrical charge mm -hmm. and need to be clustered together with ionization, mm -hmm. electrical charges or something, or pH levels in order to function, mm -hmm. the human body. So what's fascinating, we went to the Smithsonian a couple of weeks ago and then the Natural History Museum, the meteors that are there, guess what they're made out of? Iron, okay? And they had all the materials ever, you could, and it's a periodic table. Mm -hmm. All those things were made way before us and after us. And mm -hmm. You just need to figure out how to use those things to our advantage. But what's incredible is like you think about the grounding. What's the center of the earth usually thought of to be made of? Well, yeah. it's light. It's some people lava. Say, well, <laughs> people can say. And what yeah. do they say is that made of? What's magma made out of? It's like some kind of iron material, maybe right. something we don't even know. But what if you get to the center of the earth and it just takes you to a portal that's somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Is it even a physical thing? No one's told me what right. it actually looks like. Been there. Does it even exist? But then we look at a dinosaur who roamed the earth 140 million years ago, and it's an intact jaw. The whole skeleton's there. How did that happen? It's right. just a bone. Yeah. That's true. And it's perfectly intact. And they walked the earth for hundreds of millions of years. And what I think find this fascinating, I was talking with this, my friend the other day, and I said, they were the most powerful creatures that walked this earth. But yet, for some reason, humans were the chosen one to do what on earth? We're so, just better survivors. Yeah, but free will. There's the that. The ego? Yeah. <laughs> the ego. How's it gotten uh, us so far? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but you're the seen as the stewards of the earth, but that's coming from the ego for sure. Because we learn the most. Animals are always a reflection of us. So if they're, what are they? They are beings. They know how to be. They're not 
running after each other 24-7. All, most of a dog's day is rest and sleep and being. Do they have a high level of consciousness? Our judgment, the ego's judgment, says no. The ego will say that. Of course, but the physical right. side will say they have a spinal cord and they have a nervous system. Correct. Which means, yes, they do. Because right. bugs have a nervous system. They have a thinking capability, right? right. Uh, the size of the brain of most of the dinosaurs were very small. Mm. So their mm-hmm. thinking capability was very different. But you talk about survival. The thing that wiped them out was a meteor. But they were on for hundreds of millions of years. How long has humans been around? Mm. The time frame, what we categorize, 80,000? Yeah. It wiped out the big ones. There's a lot of dinosaurs. What we're experiencing now is that birds are dinosaurs, right? Alligators mm-hmm. have been around for just as long as the big dinosaurs that we always think about dinosaurs. And most of the sea animals were around back in the same time as the, the T-Rex and all that stuff. It's, just, it's right. just that those big ones, just when there was no vegetation that was wiped out, they had nothing else to eat. That's the way I think mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. I do too. But I also think about, too, going back to the physical realm. If there's solar systems and galaxies everywhere else, it's well, not I, crazy to think that there's something else mirroring oh, us. Going so, but you could just say, well, how do we travel and get there? We're always trying to do a spaceship to get there. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. just close your eyes and think about it. Yeah, that's true. And you have a light body, which is a whole other topic. Yeah, you could be you there right travel. now. It's funny. We have a buddy with the same thing we've been having this conversation about. He, he goes, you want to time travel? He goes, watch this. Close your eyes. I'll take you there. Yeah. You're, you're sitting on a carpet ride right now. And then we just go somewhere. And this, he goes, and we finally got done. He opens his eyes when I saw the ride. And he's like, okay, you can do that anytime you want. Yep. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And people will say, I want to travel. When you travel and you're sitting by the pool, mm-hmm. sipping your margarita, kicking up, posting on Instagram, mm-hmm. like here I am, I'm relaxed. Are they truly present? Or is that existence? Is that the apex of the human existence is to kick your feet up, drinking a margarita by the pool, by the ocean? I definitely mm. don't like to do that when I travel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to go climb shit or look yeah. at shit. <laughs> you like to climb. You like to go and do hazardous things that risk your own life. And that's well, relaxing for you. Drinking a margarita could be hazardous. That's true. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. So if you're going to go out this way. Pick yeah. your poison. Yeah. But no, I think it's just state of being is the apex it's just allowing yourself to experience joy and presence and life. I think that is the thing that we're all here to do is how can we experience more joy and more expansion, more connection? It's our goal is to live in joy in the midst of chaos. So there, there is chaos everywhere. If you look at the clusters of atoms and frequency and the way that things spin and torsion fields and all of that, there's always going to be chaos around you. But how still can you get and how much can you be in a state of joy? Because joy is the frequency of safety. You have to feel safe to feel joyful. If you're fearful, you're, gonna, you're not going to allow yourself to feel that joy. If you think about a child, if a child's scared, they're not going to want to play a board game or go run on a swing set or anything like that. If they're scared, they're going to lock up. You shut down. Your cells will close. And when they're joyful, there's no filter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're buzzing. They're just buzzing and open. And so joy is one of the highest frequencies that you can experience, even beyond love. Joy is that... Mm, almost like euphoria it's that connection and safety and rootedness that you need good what does that physically look like joy yes i think it's different for everyone but if you're so this is okay <laughs> like i said before intention is everything your experience your perception your filter if you're on a roller coaster ride that's joy, but the same physiological biochemistry is happening when you're running from a predator. It's just your experience of it is, okay, I'm safe in this moment and I can let my breath go. Uh, you're screaming on a roller coaster and if you're in fear, you're going to lock down your breath. So I think breath is a great indicator physically of joy versus something that's more of a lower frequency it's movement anything that moves is life-giving like a river anything that's stagnant causes death if a river is stagnant and not moving it's going to build up that bacteria and create a lot of funkiness yeah so 
physiologically, I would say joy is that movement of energy through the body. And I would focus on the breath. That's interesting. So it's a continuation of energy? Yeah, I would, I would say so. You don't want it to ever be stagnant? No. But it's interesting. Can a person have continuous amount of energy, but yet remain perfectly still? Yes, because we're energetic beings at the end of the day. So if our root is energy, if that is, if you're looking at subatomic particles, they are, there's always a flux of energy that exists. And then there's potential energy as well that could exist. And so all the particles that exist and don't exist technically exist at the same time. It's just your intention. Your intention is the thing that makes those part subatomic particles decide what to create physically. So it's that space between the the orbiting electrons and in that empty space, it's known as empty space, that has all the potential for creating anything. So if there's joy in the body, and your question regarding the infinite energy being still yep. you can be still but have the movement of energy just because you're in a state of being doesn't mean that energy is stagnant well, you're moving blood around your heart pumping you're right breathing. but here's the question i always it's ask harnessed people. energy that's mm-hmm. the problem because i ask people this sit still for 20 minutes and people say i cannot sit still for 20 minutes yeah well, what right. they don't know is how to harness it that's the difference. You're calling it kinetic energy, right? Concentric. It's potential. It's You reach the action potential, the threshold where you initiate a different type of catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. Usually you need to get that way by an electrical charge. Mm-hmm. You change your pH from acidic to basic, or you basically have some kind of new electrical catalyst, ionization, something that ha- like an electron donor, like something like that. Because it's just naturally that you're going to need to continuously have this going. But you're making energy regardless of whether you think you're doing it or not. Mm-hmm. Like your blood's circulating right now. You're making hormones. Like you're mm-hmm. breathing without even thinking about it. But I loved how you said the breath is the key to awareness. Yeah, I think th- I think that it's the telltale sign of how well you've harnessed it. Because if you're anxious, meaning that you're thinking about this and that and feeling this thing and like the thinking mm-hmm. about the, the future and oh did i eat well did i i didn't sleep and your focus is everywhere mm-hmm. the idea is then you're also your breath is all over the place you're like hyperventilating but mm-hmm. the idea is like how do you bring it back to here it's all it all still is there but mm-hmm. harness it to here center it and then you do what you want with it yeah if you think about <laughs> right. i mean that's true and It goes beyond, I think, a practice of learning how to harness it. I think if people say, I can't sit still, there's something going on in the nervous system. And if you think about trauma, the or if you're fearful, your body shakes because you're trying to push that energy out so that it doesn't get stored. Mm -hmm. Because then that causes the recurring memories over and over again. And the blockages that all of a sudden someone's talking about tacos and you get triggered and you're like, I was just talking about tacos. I don't understand. And someone's blaming you for the trigger <laughs> and being making you responsible for it when you're not responsible for that. But it's that there's some trauma somewhere in the body. So when someone says, I can't sit still, they're trying to release. So if they can ground and connect to the frequency of the earth, it's very calming to the body. So if they're grounded and in their body, they'll feel safe and that affects the breath. And then that helps them to sit still. But it, it's going to take release work for them to be able to sit still first. That's interesting because now I'm having this other picture in my head. So when people talk about, I've always mentioned beta waves in the brain. I think beta waves are an internal way to look at the body because i think there's even different frequencies right alpha is very aware and stimulant right i mean it's very much like i'm awake yeah i'm in alpha mode right right. if you shift from alpha to beta it's a very internal shift into awareness okay and so when you think about someone looking at beta mode it's really interesting the deeper you get into it you say the deeper I am into my meditation, to my awareness with my myself as a whole which mm-hmm. is nothing one's always picture that happening through the third eye I'm not thinking that's the case at all. Your center, you keep saying, you, the you heart. centered. I don't think it's the heart. I think it's the, the sacrum. It's the keystone. If you mm-hmm. say I'm centered, you're not saying I'm centered in my heart. No, I think for me it is, though. I think the heart is also the one that can expand energy. 
it's an electromagnetic, I mean, we're all electromagnetic, but it's the, the heart field is the zero point energy field. But I think what you're referring to that the sacrum is the root that connects you to the earth. So in that regard, yeah, it's very anchoring. But if someone's saying, I want to feel centered, it's pulling your consciousness back into your heart field, which is the zero point energy field, which everything exists in the zero point energy field. There's all potential in there. So that's why when you're going to manifest something, it's not enough to just think it's the feeling state. And Greg Braden talks about this, where the more visceral of an experience you have, if you picture something having already happened, not that it's going to happen, not that I'm going to get a million dollars. It's what would life be like if you already had that right now? Feel that in your body. What does that feel like in the cells of your body? So you're physicalizing that energy running through you. And then it's if there's a drought and you want it to rain, you imagine what it's like to have already been raining. What does it smell like outside? What does the raindrops feel like on your skin? What are the sounds? It, you're utilizing all of your senses to pull in that physical world and then experience that. It's a much faster way of manifesting something. So if the heart has electric charges yes. through and, and the brain does too, on a side note, the adrenal glands too yeah. as well. But if the heart has electrical charges and you call it that as an expansion, I love this term that talks about being heartbroken. You don't physically have a broken heart, but they connect heartbreaks to emotional breaks. The heart doesn't store emotions. It's a pump. Right. Unless you tell me the heart's a brain. Very true. And if it has electrical charges in it and it has hormones that correct that connect directly to brain function and mm -hmm. communication. And the same thing like an EKG and an ECG can be done. Is the heart a brain? I would say even neurons themselves are in the gut. So it's like what technically is the definition of a brain? I think what we really need to be talking about is consciousness at, it, at its root is in everything. The cell in your pinky nail is also quote unquote a brain. But yes, the, if you're talking biochemically, you could say that the heart is a brain, but there is a whole mathematics. There's called, it's the Heart Math Institute, and yeah. they talk about coherence. Mm -hmm. It's not just thought waves that are very linear. It's connecting the thought with the feeling state, that heartfelt feeling like I was talking about for manifestation. If you feel something from your heart, whether it's an emotion, so like the heart is a pump, you're generating emotion perhaps sure from the heart field but think about this what's going to help me levitate and <laughs> we talked about this too <laughs> if you want to levitate you focus on the space between the floor and your body or the chair in your body bingo it's not a heart opener to levitate doesn't mean that i open expanded my heart it didn't mean i expanded my brain either it has nothing to do with my third eye yeah i don't think so i have to be grounded completely mm -hmm. and then i realize this when you talk to, I've always asked you, I say, hey, do you, what do you do when you're sitting there just grounded and your legs go numb? You're like, that's just what they do. Yeah, the circulatory thing's interesting, but after a while, it's numb. You're floating at that point because you've been sitting there that long. If you did the meditation, you were literally floating, which means there is no ground. So once again, levitation means you're already doing it. Just imagine you're floating. Right. Like you're on a cloud, you're in mm -hmm. the air, you're doing it because that's what you are in deep meditation. And you said, and you might think this too, how do you go deeper? <laughs> Is it like you're falling deeper back into the sofa? Yeah, no, I don't think about f falling deeper. I think more of bending dimensions. So is, that's not forward. You, no, it's I don't even I don't even want to call it in. I want it's, it's whatever that is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the, making this thing where it's like you're yeah goes like that. It, it's it, like stepping it's through a mirror. It's a portal in a sense. A vortex. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I believe that's the same thing with all the organs. They have their own vortex. Because if mm -hmm. you imagine I'm in another universe somewhere, my heart has to be connected to that heart in that other universe well, because the DNA and trauma travels with it mm, in lifetime well, after lifetime. I, I imagine mm -hmm. right. we're talking about electrons existing in different places. Mm. They just never know where they're going to appear right. into the atom. But they, I imagine tapping into the universe that has the correct correlation of those electrons and then pulling them from that existence into this existence yes that can do it you know why because that vaccine in italy that did that 
So they did this. They took a vaccine that they developed and they took it, broke it down and took the DNA out of it. And they put all that protein in a vial with, with water. And then they took the water out of that vial and then put it in a, another vial that was empty with just the water in it. They just put the water in there. So mm-hmm. they found in there the same mm-hmm. DNA. It was mirrored exactly the same. They right. were able to duplicate a vaccine off of just water. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the water had memory in it. Yeah. Water has a brain or it has some kind of higher level thinking pattern. Like you said, consciousness mm-hmm. is almost a thought of as like you have – Einstein had to put something physical to it. What is this? This has to be physical. I have to taste it. I have to smell it. I have to mm-hmm. inhale it. No, you don't. You have to believe it. How do you physically prove belief? Yeah, I don't know. Physically prove belief. Yeah, we use technology to to skirt around those things, but you can't really it's like how do you prove God? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Einstein would sit there and say, Prove to me God exists. And I and then you know what Siddhartha is gonna say? He's like, mm-hmm. Bro, are you serious with me? Get over this. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. I just I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so the truth is it did Siddhartha even believe in God itself after a while. I'm like, sure. That's how I feel. <laughs> because like. I go back to this idea. What created the original stars that collided? Yeah, I, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> See? <laughs> and I say, we just accepted existence. They say, yeah, it's already here. Why are you trying to I, Well, the thing is, I'm just thankful, right? Because I could, it could easily be nothing. And I wouldn't even have the, I wouldn't even have the chance to even think about. But most people don't think that way. <laughs> why was Greek mythology such a big hit? Because they named a purpose to everything. We have to know why it rains. We yeah. have to know why the grass is green. Mm-hmm. And then Leonardo da Vinci says, you know why the sky's blue? Because space is black. And then down here, you have white clouds. And you're like, oh my gosh, space mm-hmm. and the earth. And we imagine the heavens is nowhere close to earth. And what are heavens? And you're like, come on, bro. Are you serious with this? And I'm like, but that's the issue. That's why if you talk about a physical belief, Einstein wanted to prove that. Prove to me Jesus existed because at this point, let's be honest, Jesus has not been proven to be physically existing at this point. Talk to Jews and they'll say the Messiah has not come yet. And we just accept it on pure belief that this was the son of our creator. Yeah. Fascinating. And then you talk about spirituality and people say, you just have to believe it. Yeah. You have to take that leap because the answer is there. That's what I find fascinating because if you want to sit there and debate Jesus in 30 different languages, we could. Yeah. But then it goes back to Jesus. Baldo was going to be a priest before all this. That's awesome. <laughs> and now that. we have the talk about spirituality more than ever before, but it's mm-hmm. not religious. Yeah. I'm a reverend, so. Hell yeah. There we yeah. go. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think belief is a, it's just resonance. It, there's something in you that recognizes truth in whatever that frequency is. So say that it's Jesus. Say that you're like, okay, I believe in Jesus. What does that really mean? Is inside of you, there's almost a guitar string that's pulled and it vibrates. There's something that's like, yeah, and it pulls you in. There's an electromagnetism towards this metaphysical thing it's beyond taste touch smell you can't really interact with it you only see the effect of it so you see the effect of belief in everything that you're doing your belief creates your reality it's like those they say i feel them in my heart i was like oh how does that feel correct but then life is not predetermined that that is a question because there's also there's a you could look at it as a web like almost like a network that we're tuning into different wavelengths that has already, this is the way that I view it. If everything exists (laughs) at once, everything that ever existed and always will exist is existing right now. That's infinite frequency. You're just tuning into infinite frequency. So what is it? really predetermination it's not really it's just options for you it's like at being at a buffet what are you most drawn to that's resonance and then you pull that out of the network and if you do something like there's a a monkey who started washing potatoes in the ocean monkeys in a completely different part of the world started washing their potatoes in the ocean how does that happen it's not something that was oh my god there's trauma in this herd of monkeys and you know what there's a network going on and if enough people it's a threshold if enough beings 
start, all it takes is one. So if enough beings tune into the existence of whatever that is, say it's levitation. If one person on the planet levitated at any point in time and space, it's possible for everyone. Yeah. So what you want to do, if you're like, I really want to levitate, you could, if you tune into the frequencies of whatever that person did to levitate, all of that information will come to you and you'll learn how to do it. So it's just a practice on how to uh, clarify your frequency of what it is you want to manifest. So the clarity is also the key to manifestation. How clear can you get and focused on this one frequency. That's how you can carve through rock based on looking at it with your eyes, but you have to be clear on the frequency. So that's how the pyramids were built. It's frequency, it's sound. You can move physicality into- Whatever shape the you want. <laughs> perfect mathematical precision based on how clear your frequency is. There's a whole art to this, but if you get in a group of people, say three people, focus on the clear, precise frequency, the effect is exponential. It's not one plus two plus yeah. three equals three. It's one one plus one, whatever. Two is, plus three equals four. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's exponential. It's not two plus two yeah. equals four. It's two plus two equals five. Infinity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> five. One more. So if you are in a group, that's why groups are so powerful, like prayer and community and all that is so powerful in a group. There are practitioners in Beijing, China, who it was only three of them chanted already gone in in their native language. And they chanted it and pushed the sound waves through the chant. And it got rid of a tumor within three minutes in a woman. So there's footage of, of this on YouTube. So it's when you're working with a group and you're pulsing out the if you agree on the belief and then you pulse it with such precision and clarity, you can create something physical or break down physicality just through sound or your intention, really. Is, it's, uh, it's called a miracle. Is that, yeah, exactly, because it's beyond time and space. Is that true with just musical notes, too? If you play two notes, two different instruments, same mm -hmm. note, does it, is it not twice as loud as maybe four or five times as loud? Yeah, there's an exponential effect. For sure. It doesn't calibrate just one plus one equals two. But even our, our musical world is calibrated just off. off it, it's calibrated to a different frequency that actually is discordant with the human body. It's not something like Beethoven and what they all use, which was very in resonance with the human body and the natural frequency of the earth. It was very healing. So Unless you get into like binaural beats. That, right? Then that's a whole... <laughs> well, that's different because the tuning fork test. So in in a physical exam, you can measure resonance and frequency with ears. You take the tuning fork, which most of them are standard 512 hertz. Yeah. And what you do is you place it on the occiput and then you place it to the side of the ear. And there will be a time frame that can tell you whether or not something's off. And it will say it takes you longer to have this sound go away or to hear the sound as opposed to having the sound come from this angle. And so they use it to measure hearing loss. Mm. You can use it from a neurological standpoint as well. But then there's a tuning fork that's also a vibrating one. And so what happens with neurological conditions, unraveling of the nervous system, tethering, means that I cannot determine if you're basically sticking my finger or sticking my palm. And I can look at it right now and I'm like, I cannot tell that you're sticking my palm. Then you go to my finger. I close my eyes. It feels like it's coming in the same place. And that same pathway, there's also a heat and there's also a cold. So then you think about it. You say, okay, most people have something that causes them to have a health issue. They can't explain. Yeah. Let's just say it. Most people say, I don't know. I just, whenever something happens, this thing happens here. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's in my head. I said, it is. You're creating it. There's no way around it. But if you tell someone that and it's psychosomatic, they get pissed at you, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you're not like, validating. You're not what, validating what right. I believe. And I, I'm agreeing with everything you said. Right. Do you agree that something's wrong with you? You're just focusing on a different etiology. Right. Mm -hmm. You, If you want this to be wrong with you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Something is wrong with you. I agree. But also I agree that you're also the thing that can fix all this. 